Hello, hello again. My name is David Cook. I'm the Stewardship Director at Our Lady of Mount Carmel Catholic Parish. And with me is the simply kind Jody Curtis. Joey, who is our guest today? David, I'm really excited about our guest today. He's new to our parish, and I'll let him tell us, tell our listeners about that. But he is the very motivated and energetic Thomas Gallagher. All right. Thomas, thank you for joining us, and thank you for joining our parish. And can you tell our listeners a little bit about yourself, your family, and your new role at Our Lady of Mount Carmel? Absolutely. Well, first off, thank you so much for having me and for welcoming me, uh, welcoming me so warmly into the parish. Uh, so, uh, my name is Thomas Gallagher. I uh, grew up in Yorktown, Virginia, and my family and I just moved here from Virginia Beach, which is about forty minutes southeast of Yorktown, uh, just three three and a half weeks ago. Nice. So, and you're the new what? I am the new director of evangelization. Bam, bam, yeah. big title. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, we were saying he's new, but we don't even know who he is. That's right. <laughs> you haven't heard. New director of evangelization, Thomas Gallagher. Absolutely. And we have uh, we have two sons, Sean Patrick, who turns three on March 20th, this coming Saturday, and Fulton, who just turned one this past January. Nice. So, well, what, what are you most excited about getting into this parish, into this role? Oh man, I've I've just heard that Our Lady of Mount Carmel has so many people who are just fired up and ready to run, and so I'm just excited to to come in and fan the flames and uh, start running with people. Um, I've also heard there's a lot of people who are really fit at Our Lady of Mount Carmel, so I'm ready to start literally running, getting running <laughs> back into my running game again. You have a cross country, <laughs> yeah, right next to the Monon. So. Um, yeah, I'm just I'm just excited to I feed off of that energy and I'm ready to bring in some new energy as well and just run after Jesus together. Amen. That's awesome. Thomas, can you tell us a little bit about your life before Christ, before you had an intimate relationship with him? Yeah, you know, when I think about that question, my life before Christ, I really I don't think I've ever had a life before Christ. I I am a cradle Catholic. Uh, you know, my my parents, thanks be to God, have been faithful Catholics their whole life, uh, you know, attended Mass every single Sunday. I, uh, vivid memory that I have from growing up is that Sunday Mass was not an option. You know, we always went to Mass no matter what, or even if it was Saturday Vigil, you know, we, we never missed Mass, even if we were traveling. I think that made a really big impression on me as I grew up, and uh, both of my sisters were involved in uh, youth group growing up. We, my dad was in the army, and so we would travel a good bit. But by the time that I was in third grade, we had settled in Virgin, in Yorktown, Virginia, and uh, and I grew up going to mass on an Air Force base. And we had this, you know, great youth minister, and they did a lot of retreats. And you know, as I share more of my story, my relationship with Jesus, retreats are always where God has just broken into my life. So retreats are, for me, uh, they're crucial in in one's, in, in my perspective of how a person comes to really know God and love God. 
Like he'll start breaking into our lives in little ways, but then we have to go away with him. And we see that in the gospels time and time again. Jesus called those whom he desired away with him. They would go up a mountain or out into the desert or wherever. And and that's where Jesus would really share his love and his mission, you know, for them. So um, when was your first retreat? Do you remember? Yeah, eighth grade, eighth grade. grade. And I was allowed to, typically they didn't allow anybody until you were a freshman in high school in my parish, but both of my sisters were so involved that I got to go as an eighth grader. Mm -hmm. And I remember having this big breakthrough. My grandfather had died from Alzheimer's and I was too scared to go in and see him. And I always regretted that, but Jesus healed that wound on that retreat. And, you know, it was just the first of many breakthroughs for me. Uh, and so as high school went on, I got more involved and um, started getting involved at the diocesan level, Diocese of Richmond, Virginia, and just staying really uh, plugged into my faith. But I remember a moment in my senior year of high school as I, was, as I was getting ready to go off to George Mason University up in Fairfax, where I was, uh, we were doing this youth group thing where you're supposed to sit in a pew close to the front if you felt close to Jesus or close to the back if you felt far from him. And I remember sitting all the way up front, you know, and I had this little candle. I don't know what the candle was supposed to be for, did, but... Did the priest move you back? No, <laughs> no, nobody moved me back. Uh, no, and uh, but I, I sat there and I remember making this prayer. I remember saying, Jesus, when I go to college, I want to love you more. I want to continue this relationship, but I don't know how. Show me how. Ah. Hmm. Yeah. And, and I got to college, I got to Mason. Did he do it? He did it. He did it. But, but, uh, it took some, uh, coaxing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. He had to, you know, Jesus is a fisherman, right? So, um, he had to fish me out a couple times. And, uh, I remember at Mason, I lived in a, a quint. So it was one, one room. Oh gosh. I don't know. Maybe 30 foot by 60 foot room, you know, like if that, maybe 30 by 50, but five guys living in one room. And so immediately it was like, how do you get to know four other roommates in a heartbeat? You go to a party, you know? And uh, so I, I got- I thought you were going to say you went to a retreat, uh, well, went to a party. Would have been better, but- You know, it's uh, sometimes our stories are a little messier than that, right? Yeah. Not me. <laughs> of course not for you, David. So, uh, yeah, I got into that my first month or so of college, but I'll never forget that as I was doing this move in, uh, somebody from crew campus crusaders for Christ came up and handed me this little get to know you card. And on the card, it asked, you know, how much do you love Jesus on a scale one to 10? And I was like, 10 baby. Yeah. <laughs> like I love Jesus. And would you be interested in a Bible study? And I was like, well, of course, right? Because mm -hmm. we're supposed to know the Bible, even though I really didn't. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I circled all this stuff and basically everything that one would circle to have them start hounding you, you know, <laughs> um, and rightfully so. And But then somebody from Focus, the Fellowship of Catholic University students and the CCM, Catholic Campus Ministry, came by mm -hmm. to help me move in. And, uh, and they asked me the same question. Like, Are you, would you be interested in a Bible study? And I was like, wait a minute, you're Catholics? Like we do that? Sweet. Okay. Well, yeah. If, if Catholics do Bible study and I'm a cat, then let's do that one, you know? And, um, so, you know, I had to politely like tell crew to get lost, but, um, uh, uh, no, no, I mean, they were great. And we ended up working with them a lot in my college years as well. But, uh, yeah, so I, I got plugged into, um, a, uh, 
a focused Bible study, but that hadn't really started yet. And so back to this whole like partying thing, um, one night uh, I was laying in bed trying to fall asleep. And I remember and I had been going to parties like every Thursday and Friday, at least, you know, if not Saturday Just to, to fit in, right? to, to fit in, to get to know people. I started to get kind of, um, what's the word? I don't know, head hunted or recruited by one of the fraternities. And I always liked the, I, you know, uh, my oldest brother uh, died at birth, uh, and so my parents' firstborn, uh, his name is Brian, he passed away from malpractice, actually, and um, full term. And so my whole life growing up, I always felt this kind of void in my life that my brother was supposed to be there and he wasn't. And I'd always talk to him just like in prayer and, and you know, but uh, I... I, when I got to college, the idea of a fraternity, these older brothers, like that, that's really grabbed me. And, you know, it, uh, I remember one of the the head guys of this fraternity telling me, Thomas, we really need you. You know, we really want you to join our fraternity because I really think that a lot of the guys could learn a lot from you. And I remember thinking, wait a minute, I'm a freshman and these guys could learn a lot from me. Like, where do I have to grow? Like, is this really the right community for me? And, uh, but I was laying in bed that night praying or just trying to fall asleep. And I remember hearing these words very clearly from the Lord, just get to the church and I'll take care of the rest. Hmm. Yeah. And I, I grabbed this little crucifix I had from my confirmation and, and I was like, all right, Lord. So I, I next day I just walked over to the church uh, chapel and I, I sat down on these steps that like, there was like a walkout basement to the, to the church. And that was kind of the recreation area, community area. And I was sitting on these steps leading down there. And I was like, what am I doing here? Like, this is so weird. And I got up to leave and this girl came in, she ended up being the campus minister. And she was like, Hey, um, can I help you? And I made up this totally fake story about <laughs> waiting for one of my roommates to come. And I was kind of lost. And she was like, Oh, I think she saw right through it. She was like, let me introduce you to a few people. So she took me downstairs, introduced me to like a couple of the juniors, maybe a senior. And then uh, and I ended up signing up for their fall beach retreat. Oh, and so I went on the retreat. Yeah. And, a beach uh, retreat sounds fun. Yeah. <laughs> took me down to Sandbridge, actually, which is Virginia Beach. And, uh, and yeah, I'm going to fast forward a little bit, but that was – that was where he really hooked me and I got plugged into the community there and started to go deeper. Uh, so when I came back my sophomore sophomore year, uh, I started to get plugged in through Focus. But throughout my college years, this is really high school and college years, this is a big theme in my in my conversion of heart because Jesus, I always knew Christ. Mm -hmm. I always had conversations with God when I was walking to the bus stop growing up, just mm -hmm. like I just had a very natural relationship with the Lord, but I had a lot of guilt in my life. I had a lot of uh, tension in my life because I knew what how he was calling me to live, but I, I had compartmentalized my life, my, uh, my, my faith life rather. And, you know, I don't blame my parents for that. I think that that's a very common trait in American faith is that, you know, we we talk about Jesus on Sundays. We go to mass on Sundays. My parents were very involved with, with lots of different ministries as well. But I can't say that we grew up really having deep conversations about our relationship with, with Christ. And so for whatever reason, ultimately it's my responsibility – 
I had a very compartmentalized life, uh, faith life. And so I had my school friends and I had my church friends. I had my, the way that I acted when I was on retreats, which was actually a lot of freedom. Mm -hmm. And I had the way that I acted when I was trying to impress my school friends and the football guys and the, you know, all those other groups, um, and the things that I would do to try to, to impress them. But I always felt most myself on the retreats. Mm -hmm. Um, so you know, when I was in college, that continued, even though I started to take on leadership roles and focus and started to uh, really dive into my prayer life. And I just felt very uh, pulled, you know, you can't serve two masters. And I was trying to, mm -hmm. and, and ultimately it came to a head my junior year of college. I was leading Bible studies. I was really, you know, I was looked at as this big leader in the Catholic campus ministry community and the focus student community. And um, I had started this relationship that was pretty unhealthy for me uh, back home with a, a girl from home. And, you know, I, I got to a point where I was like, all right, you know, Lord, I, I really think that if I'm going to go deeper with you, I, I don't, I don't know. Like I need you to do something here because I'm not letting you in all the way. Uh, it sounds like I was very self-enlightened back then, but I, I think I just knew that I was stuck. Mm -hmm. I think that's all I knew is like, I wasn't going deeper. And, um, and ultimately it's because St. Teresa of Avila tells us no matter what you do, how hard you pray, if your moral life isn't on track as well, like those two grow hand in hand, your moral life and your prayer life. And so uh, I ended up, by the grace of God, uh, after, you know, kind of coming to that realization that I was in a really unhealthy relationship, but not feeling like I could just get out of it either, I went to a focus conference in Grapevine, Texas in 2008. Would you call it a retreat of some sort? It was kind of like a retreat. Yeah, a little bit. It was, um, it was definitely community-based, you know, but there were these great talks and it was the biggest Catholic conference I had been to at that point in my life. And at that point, I mean, this was like, this is like the old version of seek. If anybody knows what focus seek is. Mm -hmm. And there were 3000 people my age there. And at that time that was insane, you know, yeah. and now they're like 20,000 plus, you yeah. know, but, um, at that point, 3000 people, I was in adoration and I remember, you know, um, just looking at Jesus's body, blood, soul, and divinity in the Eucharist, you know, uh, I knew that with my head, uh, excuse, yeah, I knew that with my head and I, I kind of knew it with my heart, but I kind of had to like do a lot of mental work to, to get there. But I remember looking at Jesus in the Eucharist and saying, okay, if I really believe that's you, my whole life has to reflect that. And my whole life has to surround, you know, be a, be centered around the Eucharist. And I think in that moment, I don't know what, it, I mean, I know it was grace, but my heart just opened up. My mind flooded with thoughts of the saints and thoughts of the rest of my life and what I was doing with it and how much I was being open to God's will or my own will. I mean, it just flooded me. And at that point, a uh, little sidetrack, I... I had I was in a I was on a military track. I had a flight contract with the Marine Corps to be a, a pilot, and that was the dream job for me to fly for the military. And uh, I had done six weeks of OCS already. I was supposed to go back for another six weeks after my junior year of college. So this flight contract was what my life was like, was kind of centered around. And uh, but I came back from that conference, and I can't really describe it, but everything literally looked different. 
It was like brighter and more vibrant and richer. And uh, first thing I did was I went and got out of that relationship. Um, mm -hmm. And I remember driving away. I stopped, pulled off into a parking lot. And I just kind of put my head on my steering wheel. And I was like, what am I doing? Like, because that literally only reason why I broke up with her was because of Jesus. Mm. And I, and because I felt Jesus was asking me to, but in that moment, he, he was more real to me than he had ever been before because it wasn't just on a retreat. Mm -hmm. It wasn't just a retreat high. It wasn't just like some compartmentalized event. I was allowing him to break into my real life. Mm -hmm. You know, yeah. yeah, he started to penetrate like every part of my life. And that was a big moment for me. It took that one little thing, but I came back to college and my, uh, my focused discipler or mentor, uh, his name is Matt Markeski. He's still a focused missionary. He's up outside of Chicago. And, uh, you know, he, he would tell me and tell other people when I came back from that, it was like night and day. Really? I started to make holy hours every morning with the missionaries, um, I wouldn't skip any kind of like focus leader event. Like I was there for everything. And I just, I really began to discern my vocation for the first time. And, uh, and that's when, um, thoughts of the priesthood entered in and I tried to push those away very quickly. Um, and then of course, thoughts of this one woman, uh, her name was Trish Metzger. Uh, and, uh, she's now my wife, but, uh, spoiler alert, sorry. Um, but yeah, so I, um, you know, fast forward a little bit. I, I came to the point where I was like, all right, Lord, if you want me to be a priest, you got to give me the desire to give up this flight contract. Because if I go to seminary and it's not my vocation, there will still be women in the world, but there will not be a flight contract waiting for me. Yeah. And so I continued to pray on it. I went on a silent retreat. Oh, yeah. I thought you were going to say it, David. <laughs> I should have. And... Uh, and in, I was praying a rosary on like the second day of the retreat. And I was looking at, I was in adoration, looking at Jesus, thinking about my life circling around him. And uh, I thought about giving up my flight contract like I had a hundred times. And normally that led to anxiety and fear. But this time my heart started to race and I got excited about the, the idea of having that as a part of my witness, that I gave up this great earthly good to, uh, to chase Jesus and so I was like, well, there's my sign. Yeah. Came back from that retreat, met with the uh, officer selection officer, gave up my contract. And then uh, and then there was Trish. And uh, so- You guys weren't dating at the time. We were not dating. I just had the hots for her. Uh, <laughs> she had the calls for you. <laughs> yeah, well, I, 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 had, I kept getting mixed signals, you know what I'm saying? And uh, so- I decided that I couldn't go to seminary without chasing her. This will be another podcast maybe sometime <laughs> because that story gets uh, uh, pretty complicated, but but awesome. I mean, such a testament to God's providence. Um, she shot me down hard. Crash, burn, no survivors. Like just you like, go to seminary. Yeah, right? Yeah. So, yeah, no, I, um, I, I took the rest of the summer to pray and ended up applying for seminary fall of my senior year of college. Uh, was accepted in the spring, went straight to seminary after college. But, you know, maybe um, for the sake of uh, kind of keeping it succinct, um, no matter how generous I thought I was being with my life as I tried to respond to the Lord, 
he, you know, maybe this is cliche, but he just would not be outdone in generosity. I would take one step towards him. He'd take 10 towards me. Um, and, uh, he's been so faithful. Um, I was in seminary for seven years and, uh, um, you know, had so many, it was a, the most painful, beautiful, fun, scary, wonderful experience of my life. Um, that brotherhood that I was talking about mm -hmm. was there uh, in a big way. I uh, made so many lifelong friends um, centered around Christ and grew uh, tremendously in those seven years. Um, you know, and uh, discernment is a funny thing. Anybody that's out there discerning your vocation, I'm praying for you. It's a, uh, it's a, it's a, just a hard thing to, to find the Lord's will. Um, but it's totally worth it. I'll never forget that, uh, I was once told that the greatest response of love that you can give to God is to discern your vocation hmm. because you're really saying, God, what do you want me to do with my life? And, um, uh, yeah, long story short, uh, I, I thought it was the priesthood, even though I had lots of hesitations, I kept getting green lights everywhere I looked and I kept praying, Lord, if you don't want me to do this, you got to make it Barney style, like <laughs> impossible to miss. Uh -huh. Got to just show me. And, um, I didn't see the signs that I was looking for to stop. And even though I had these internal hesitations, Again, everybody kept saying, no, Thomas, this is, this is right. Keep going, keep going. So I thought, well, I'm just going to be, this is just cold feet. I just got to go. I just got to do it. So mm -hmm. I was ordained a transitional deacon mm -hmm. in uh, summer of 2014. And, uh, you know, almost immediately uh, that night after my ordination, excuse me, I knew that I had messed up, that I wasn't probably supposed to be ordained, but that was a really scary thought. Mm -hmm. And so I just kept going. I said, nope, I'm going to be a priest. I've come this far. I'm not going back now. And uh, over the next two years, because uh, I was supposed to be ordained a year later to the priesthood, but through my hesitations and uh, new spiritual director, new formation advisor, confirming these things, they said, hey, take an extra year. And my bishop said, yeah, that's great, Thomas, take an extra year. Mm -hmm. And uh, I took an extra year. Um Again, I'm leaving out a lot of details because as long as this is, it could be so much longer. And uh, um, but uh, I went on a 30 day silent retreat. Yes, yes. Ignatian exercises, uh, exercises of St. Ignatius Loyola. Um, at the end of that pastoral year, the year after seminary that I did, I served full time in a parish as a deacon, and. The Lord just made it abundantly clear that I was not, in fact, supposed to go all the way and become a priest. Um, and so, you know, I, I made the steps I made in good faith, but I, I made a wrong turn. And the Lord was faithful and uh, wasn't going to let me continue down the wrong path. And uh, but it took a lot of lot of prayer yeah that'd be real scary it was yeah. it was like calling off a wedding twice yeah, exactly. <laughs> i was uh 30 days away from being ordained to the priesthood oh, and uh and but the lord gave me such peace and confidence and my bishop mm -hmm. gave me his blessing and thanked me for my um thorough discernment mm -hmm. and uh started a process that took 10 months to be dispensed from my diaconal promises from the holy see 
Mm-hmm. And uh, but I received Pope Francis's dispensation in the uh, spring of actually Ash Wednesday. Uh, no, excuse me. I'm sorry. One week before the Easter Vigil, uh, 2017. Wow. And uh, I uh, proposed to Trish a week after I received my dispensation at oh. the Easter Vigil. <laughs> Thanks be to God, she said yes. Yeah. Um, and uh, and then we were married 54 days later and oh. uh, had Sean Patrick nine months after that. Oh. <laughs> So the Lord just hit the fast forward button for us. Uh-huh. And, uh, so it was exactly what you needed. Yeah. yeah. Amen. And, uh, and that, so Virginia beach is where we went, uh, right after getting married. And then, uh, we had Fulton, uh, just a year ago and, uh, and now we're here. And so the Lord just keeps blessing us. That's so, awesome. Yeah. I think the Lord has blessed our lady of Mount Carmel as yeah. well by, uh, sending you to us. So thank you for sharing your story with us. Yes. Well, we probably don't have too many times or too much time for all our regular questions, but I like one question. Uh, What advice would you give to the many out there, many who might not even realize it, who are compartmentalizing their faith? Yeah. Living a double life. Here you go. Ready? Stop it. <laughs> okay. Well, that's it. You can end on that mic drop. And we'll... <laughs> no, um, let them in. Um, be not afraid. John Paul II, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we think that when we let him in, he's going to take everything away from us that we find to be so much fun or, or you know, that he's going to make our life somehow more boring or, or strict or something like that. Mm-hmm. But uh, he... He wants, he wants me to be happy way more than I want myself to be happy. Mm-hmm. He knows what fulfills me and he loves me far more than I love myself. He made my heart. He knows what it needs. Mm-hmm. So let him in and you, you can't go wrong. Amen. And Thomas, what are you doing in your life to continue to be a better disciple? Or as we like to call it, what are you doing to continue to stay salty in your faith? Yeah. You know, I think that's a big part of what brought us here to Carmel and to Our Lady of Mount Carmel. Um, For me, it's trying to keep myself surrounded by other disciples who are going hard as well to be motivated. I think, you know, there's a reason why Jesus sent them out two by two, um, to we need each other. And so, uh, to just be around other disciples who are living it authentically and to be inspired by them and let myself be challenged. Nice. Amen. That's awesome. Our call to action, I think, is definitely hidden on what Thomas said of you giving the Lord an inch, he'll take a mile, you know, step one step closer to him, he'll take 10. So this week, I challenge you to just let the Lord into one small aspect of your life and see how he changes it. But do it continuously, constantly, and be faithful to it, whether it is saying no to that extra dessert or saying no to that TV time right before bed and picking up a spiritual book or picking up just a regular book. Just let the Lord into some small way of your life and see what he does with it. Thank you for joining us, Thomas. It was great having you. And Would you like to end us with a prayer? That's what I was going to ask. (laughs) In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. 
Father, thank you for making us your beloved sons and daughters. Thank you for that identity that uh, teaches us how to live. Jesus, I thank you for inviting us to be your disciples and calling us your friend. Holy Spirit, thank you for dwelling within us, and you are welcome here to dwell in our hearts and our souls. Blessed Mother, I ask that you would wrap us in your mantle and that you would show us how to follow your Son like you followed him. We pray this through Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening in today, and stay salty.